Welcome to the East Side Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. I just want to say something about my wife. I have to. It's Valentine's Day. And I don't have to because I have to. I have to because I have to, if that makes sense to you. It's not going to get any clearer than that right there. That's all. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. We, we, we do things together, and, and uh, we just do life together. And um... <laughs> It's good that we do life together. <laughs> and it's easy. She just doesn't wake up in a bad if it's a bad day, it's because somebody else is having a bad day and she's feeling sorry for them. But she doesn't have a bad day because she's feeling sorry for herself because she really never thinks about herself. She always thinks about somebody else. And I think the reason that she's so emotionally stable is because she, she loves everybody else and she's looking for a way to serve everybody else versus for a way to think about it, what's in it for me. And there's so much in that. And I'm going to tell you what. It's no greater joy than to do life with somebody who's got a heart to serve and I am blessed beyond measure to have her by my side. Amen? Amen. <laughs> All right. All the mushy stuff is over. Let's get to it. Where's my sword? <clears throat> this is my prop. We went to we went to Israel a couple of years ago now. That's amazing. It's been that long. And we went to Mount Carmel, where the story here in First Kings takes place. And and there's this statue of Elisha, and he's got his sword in the air, and his and his foot on the head of the prophet of Baal. And it overlooks the Valley of Jezreel. If that doesn't have any connection with you, the Valley of Jezreel is the Valley of Armageddon. And in the Valley of Armageddon, we're going to have the last battle. And the Lord Jesus is going to win the last battle at the Battle of Jezreel. The Battle of Armageddon. And for the last time... The prophets of Baal and the th and Baal itself, everything that raises its head against God and the ways of God are going to be crushed underneath his feet and cast into the pit forever and ever. But praise the Lord, we have the ability because of what Jesus did on the cross to slay the prophets of Baal in, in our own lives. We can, we can kill it. And so as we look at this story, I want you to think about what's going on here. So if you're with me, turn to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 20. 
Everybody there? So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and they gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. Now just to set this up just a little bit, it's not raining because he has prophesied that it's not going to rain. And the reason that he prophesied that it wasn't going to rain is because the children of Israel and King Ahab, who was the king of Israel at the time, were giving credit to Baal for the lack of, for, for the rain and for everything else. And basically, Baal means Lord or Master. And at that time, they had all kinds of Baal. They gave credit to Baal for everything, whether it rained, whether it, whatever was going on, they would somehow come up with some way to give credit to him. And God said, listen, Baal's not in charge of the rain. I'm in charge of the rain. And so it's not going to rain here. You think Baal's in charge of rain? It's not going to rain here. And so they, then they get up on the mountain, and what he's trying to do is trying to say, I'm God and Baal's not. I'm God and Baal's not. And so we serve a jealous God, a jealous God in this, that anything that keeps you from experiencing the fullness of God in your life, he's jealous of that thing. That's what it says about God. He is, he is a jealous God. It's not a negative thing. It's that he wants the best for you. On this Valentine's Day, you need to understand that he loves you incredibly. And he is good. And he wants good for you. But, he, but he, the only way to attain it is to recognize him as the producer of the good. And I'm going to talk to us a little bit about that as we go. And so here we have this gathering of the prophets of Baal to, to this this standoff with Elijah and the which is the prophet of God Jehovah with the prophets of Baal so Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel and Elijah came to all the people and said how long will you falter between two opinions now you need to underline that in your Bible how long will you falter between two opinions? Say that with me out loud. How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people didn't respond. It's an interesting thought. And then Elijah said to the people, I alone and left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let them give us bulls. And so he takes, to cut this thing short right here, he takes two bulls and he lays them on the ground. One for the prophets of Baal and one for the prophet of God, Jehovah. And he cuts them open and he lays them on the ground. And he says, the one who can call fire down out of heaven serves the true God. Now, the thing that I want you to understand and, and see about how this thing applies to you and me is that he's just a man. This is not Jesus. And sometimes we look at Moses as something different. Elijah was a very powerful man, but as he begins to prophesy this, he already knew that what God did, as we learned Wednesday night in Brandon's teaching, which was fantastic if you missed it. Shame on you. But anyway, it was so good, and I'm kind of tagging that right now. But he called fire down from heaven. He did it in Exodus. He did it in other places 
where he calls down fire from heaven. Now, I want you to just understand this, that, that a man that was anointed by the Spirit of God called down fire from heaven. And Hebrews 13 says, God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so, so one of the things I'm going to just challenge us today just incredibly so, is, is your, your opinion of who God is. And that's called theology. Theology is the study of God. And each one of us in this room has this view and this opinion of God, who he is. And this verse that we just repeated says, how long are you going to believe something other than what I say I am to how long are you going to listen to two different standards? How long are you going to listen to something outside of who I say I am? How long are you going to be influenced with that? How long are you going to form your opinion based on what other people say about me instead of what I say about myself? Now, there are churches all over currently who, who water down the gospel of Jesus to draw a big crowd. Because sometimes it's hard to walk in faith and believe that God is the God who can, who can bring down fire on, on, a, on a sacrifice through an ordinary man, through you and me. And so instead of believing that God is still that God, what we say about him oftentimes in churches is that he doesn't do that anymore. One of the things you have to understand, there were voices in Jesus' day, and they were called Sadducees, who did not believe that we had a spirit. They didn't believe in spirits or spiritual things. And so they, they limited their view of who God was or what even was available in the afterlife. They, they didn't really believe that we died and went to heaven because there was no spirit. There wasn't a resurrection. And that takes away all your hope. And they were teaching the church those kinds of things. And so you really need to be aware of a gospel that doesn't look like what Scripture says. Because God is very, very picky about the standard that's set about who you say he is. Amen. He asks Peter, he asks the disciples, who do they say I am? And they, and, and, he answer, and they answer, and then he asks them, who do you say I am? There's an important question that you've got to begin to ask yourself, and that is, who do you say God is? What's his nature? What's his character? What's he capable of? What's he capable of, of through you? How does he want to work in you? How does he want to work through you? Is he limited? Are we, are we serving this limited God in this limited time? In this culture today? Or is he looking for people who are a people of faith who believe that God is the same today, yesterday, and forever? And that if he says call down fire, he can bring the fire. Yes. If he says there's a drought, he can bring the drought. If he, if he begins to proclaim those things in men, then you've got to test the spirit in all that. And you can see the times. God said make sure you look and you know that the times are near when I'm coming back. All those kind of things. But we've got testimony after testimony. I'm talking about testimonies from people who've been going here ever since I've been here about the move of God in their life 
and how they're growing in the Lord, and they're growing in the things of God. Their vision's opened up about who God is and about what he's doing in their life. And the reason being is they've changed their attitude and their expectation of what God does in their life. And that's the difference. They've got this different expectation and this different view of who God is and what he wants to do in them. And so because we're believing for the miraculous, because we're believing that it's the year of Jubilee, guess what? We're starting to see people healed. We're starting to see God bring provision in abundance. We're starting to see those things. And so, and so there's a change of view. And so Elijah goes through this motion. He puts 360 gallons of water on his sacrifice after he begins to talk trash. You want to see some excellent trash talking. 1 Kings chapter 18 is the first place that God really begins to talk some serious trash through his prophet. He, the prophet, <laughs> I got to say this, it's just too much fun not to. This is what the prophet says to the prophets of Baal. Where's your God? Is he on the toilet? Where is he? Is he relieving himself? That's so funny. Thank you. That that is a spiritual gift. <laughs> uh, and of course, nothing happens with their stuff. And so, and so Elijah, in a taunting manner, puts 360 gallons of water on a bull. That is 750 gallon buckets of water. And to even begin to burn the sacrifice up, which God wants to burn up. He wants to burn the whole thing. Brandon talks about that the whole sacrifice had to be burned up. And in Romans chapter 12 where it says, offer yourself as a living sacrifice so that you yourself can, can be burned up. All, everything about you, offer everything about who you are to the Lord. And so he puts this seven 55-gallon, 50 gallons of, of uh, water on the sacrifice. And to even penetrate to the sacrifice, what has to happen first? The water has to be burned up. The water has to be consumed. You know, if you put wet wood on a fire, what has to happen? The wood has to, it has to dry out first, right? And it's so symbolic of whatever standing in the way of you becoming everything God wants you to be. He can burn that up too if you'll just offer yourself to him. Whatever sin you got in your life, whatever hindrance, whatever wrong thought you got about the nature and the character of God, he can burn that up. You know he wants to change the way you think about him. He wants to change. You don't know everything there is to know about God. Where you are right now is not all of who God is. I don't care what your theology is. You don't know everything there is to know about God, and you never will. There's no preacher that will ever know all there is to know about God. He's an infinite God. He wants to reveal who he is to each of us as we go. But we offer that sacrifice, and that's what happened. And, and, then, and then Elijah calls down the fire, and the fire comes. 
and it consumes them. And he says in verse 40, And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal, the ones who, who are influencing Israel in a way that is giving credit to something else that should be given to God. That's the bottom line. It's the bottom line. God wants you to discover who he is. He wants you to depend on who he is. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him intimately. And anything that keeps that from happening, he's jealous of that. And so Elijah said, don't let not one of them escape. Seize them all. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed them there. This is bad at the bone, isn't it? And there's a picture of Elijah. There's a statue of Elijah with a sword standing on the head of anything that would keep you from understanding the nature and the character of God. Standing in your way. And he wants you to cut its head off. He wants you to remove the obstacles of understanding who he is. Let me give you something that I think is a big hindrance to the church and to so many of us in here, probably every one of us. The first thing that you need to know is that after Elijah slays all these prophets, he has a pity party. He says, I'm the only one. He already said it once. And he goes, I'm the only one. Swoe is me. I'm the only one. Let me tell you the biggest obstacle, the biggest bail in the lives of people who claim to be followers of Christ, I think is this one statement. You just don't know where I've been. You just don't understand my circumstances. What we're saying when we say that is that my circumstances are bigger than God's ability to handle them or to bring healing and health to them. And so we have this, we have this pity party and we, and we limit what we believe God can do. And God says, cut the head off that thing. Do y'all hear me? Cut the head off that thing. There is no limit with God. <laughs> he says about you that he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. And I encourage you to think big. To think big about, about who you are in Christ and, and his good towards you. But don't come to him because of you, because that's just... Selfish anyway. There's this narcissism in all of us. What's all about me? What's not? It's not all about you. There are preachers preaching that it's all about you all over the place. It's not all about you. It's all about him. It's all about him. And he is the only one who can bring into your life the things that you want. And there's only one way. And that is to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. 
There's only one way, is that he's God and you're not. That you are to serve him like my wife serves me. You're to serve the Lord, and I hopefully learn how to serve her in the same way. But it's, it's this serving God and, and getting over your bad self. And this narcissist mentality that says it's all about you to cut its head off and to quit pitying where you came from. Jesus didn't come for those that are healthy. He came for the sick. And you qualify. <laughs> right? He came for the sick so that we could be healed, so that we could be set free, so all these, all these things could happen. Every spiritual blessing in heavenly places is yours. They're yours. You're co-heirs with Christ. Say that. I am, say it, I am co-heirs with Christ. That means, say this, that means everything that's his is mine. Just don't understand me. <laughs> what I see, you see it all over the place. They, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a great word. It's called commiserate. <laughs> I was talking to Doctor Joe this week. As we, he said commiserate, and I said, "Oh, that's a great word." Because what we try to do is we try to find somebody who will agree with us that God's not able to handle our circumstance. That I have some reason to stay here. Now remember that Baal is, means Lord and Master. And if you're staying in a place of dysfunction, if you're staying in a place of self-pity, if you're staying in a place of sickness, then you're staying in a place or addiction, or anger. You're staying in a place that's contrary to what God has for you. And if you just look for people who have the same addiction, or the same problem, or the same idea, or the same background, and what you try to do is you commiserate with them so you both can stay in a place of defeat and despair. God says to you and me, cut the head off that thing. Because what you're doing is you're making that thing that's keeping you in prison your Lord and your master. Baal. It's Baal to you. And he says, stop it. Because this is the gospel. God says, And you hear it so often. What's the will of God for me? God says, this is my will for you. I long for every member of my body to see what the Father's doing. I long for you to see what the Father's doing. And then I long for you to join the Father in his work. And then I long for you in John chapter 14, verse 12 through 14, I long for you to do greater things than I did. See, I've got to be in this relationship, but here's, here's your deal. Here's what I want you to understand. How you think about God determines how you worship God. And you can't just, theology never did anything for anybody. 
on its own. Theology is the study of God, is, is trying to formulate a way of thinking about God, but it never does anything for anybody because there are many people who don't believe who study God. There are many people who don't believe who know theology, have a way of thinking, or know ways of thinking about God. The only way that you believe it is you begin to initiate and instill in your life the things that God says about himself. You stand on it. You won't be moved. Nothing can can get you off course, and you're not going to worship it for sure. You're not going to let it become Lord and Master over you. What you're going to do is you're going to call it what it is. This bell, it's, it's not God. It doesn't line up. It doesn't agree. And how you do that is through praise and worship. That's why we put so much emphasis here on praise and worship and begin to sing back to God the truth about who he is. You sing back to him. This is who you are. This is who you are in my life. This is what I believe about you, Lord. Even when I don't see it in my circumstances, it doesn't matter. It's who you are. There's a great album out by Jesus Culture. It just came out. I encourage you to get it. If you'll go ahead and order it on iTunes, it's the new Jesus Culture. I think it's called Echo. You will get ahead of Michael because we're going to sing by every one of those songs. So you'll know them when he brings them up because they're coming. I promise you that. They're coming. Because there's incredible theology. And then we worship him and we begin to sing this back. And as we sing it back, it becomes to take root in our soul. And then we're able to walk that out in everyday life. When, when mess hits us, when junk hits us, when circumstances arise that aren't like the Lord, that he's, he's going to test us through that. It says in James and in Peter, I'm going to test you in that. What's he going to test us on? Whether your faith whether your faith can stand the test of the, of the onslaught of whatever the world brings or whatever comes your way, that you can stand by faith that this is who I am regardless of whether you see it or not. That yes, yes. you know who I am. Some of us hope to know God or would like to know God. But that, 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 that's not what God's desire or will is for your life. God's will is for you to know him intimately. And there's no way to get to know God on an intimate level without worship and praise, without declaring who he is and allowing that to transform who you are and the way you think and how you live. So if you haven't had a transformation, a transforming encounter with Jesus, you might not be saved. Because he changes you. When you worship God, when he's truly Lord of your life, you can't be the same. And I don't care how long you've been following Jesus, you're not going to come to the end of him. You're not going to come to a place where you've got understanding of his, of his all in all. He's an infinite God. And so he says to you and me, that he wants us through praise and worship to begin to sing back theology to him. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 23. It says, it's not my, is, is not my word like a fire, a refining fire that, that, that consumes the sacrifice? It's like a hammer that breaks up the rock pieces. I love that. 
That's a great thought. That's a great theology. But unless you begin to say to the Lord, Lord, your word (laughs) is like a refining fire. Your word is like a refining fire. Like a hammer breaking up the rock, the hard ground in my heart that helps, that makes me stand on places that proclaim something different than who you are, that make me stay in prison. (laughs) That's who you are, God. There's an intimacy with the Lord. Do you know God loves you so much this Valentine's Day that his desire is that you worship him? That's what you were created to do because, not because of his ego, but because he knows that when you do that, he's already established it and set it up where that's where blessings that overflow pour out on you, that you can become everything he created you to be, and God, his goodness just overflows you wave after wave. Your love, wave after wave. Flashes over me, crashes over me, for you are for us, you are not against us, champion of heaven, you wait for all to enter. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.